So let's hold up our phones or our Bibles, and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Well, my name is Titus, like Pastor Julia said, and I'm one of the senior leaders here at the Rock Kalamazoo. And you might be wondering, like, you're a senior leader, but we've never seen you. So are you really? Who are you? Like, I'm Titus. I am married to this lovely woman here on the front row, Velvet. And we have been happily married for eight years. And it's so awesome. Actually, not quite eight years yet. It's eight years this year. Yeah, eight years this year. <laughs> you know it's a good thing when you start to forget how many years you've been married, right? We have three beautiful children. Here's a quick picture of them. So on the left is my daughter, Brielle. She is five years old. On the right is my son, Asher. He's two years old. And in my wife's arms is Kaya. She's eight months old. And here's another quick picture of them. They're playing in a bucket of water. Somebody asked me last, uh, after last service, um, do you guys need a pool? And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that was for Kaya. We have, a, we have a pool that the kids play in, so that is not their little pool that they actually try to jump into. Just wanted to clarify that for anybody that thought that we needed a pool. <laughs> well, you haven't seen me because I primarily serve at our other location in downtown Kalamazoo. Do you know we have another location of the Rock Kalamazoo? And I wanted to show you a picture of it for those of you that haven't gotten a chance to see. This is our campus in downtown Kalamazoo. We are in the Epic Center. This is the third floor, the Wellspring Theater of the Epic Center. And that's actually Pastor Daniel preaching. He's not there right now. He's in Stockton. But this is a picture of him, and this, um, this is the venue that we have. And it's been awesome to see what God has been doing in the heart of downtown Kalamazoo. Can I share a couple stories with you? The Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And I wanted to rejoice about a couple of things that have been happening in the K-Town campus of the Rock Kalamazoo. And one of the things that has happened is... I ran into this uh, woman the other week, and I said, hey, how did you hear about our campus? And she said, well, my kids take violin lessons down in, in the basement floor of the Epic Center. And they noticed that there were some other kids that were on the third floor of the Epic Center, and they kept asking, what, what's going on up there, Mom? Can we go up there? And after a couple of weeks, I finally said, OK, we'll go up there. And she came. She brought her kids. Or maybe her kids brought her. Maybe that's <laughs> the more appropriate way to think about it. Her kids brought her. And she came, and she enjoyed service. And I believe that the Lord touched her heart in, in that service. We've also had people come in, because we're in the heart of downtown, that are homeless. And this is what the Lord wanted us to do when he asked us to reach out, go downtown, and make, begin to make a difference. We are seeing that happen. And this is our church that's doing this. It's not another church. This is us. This is our body that's coming together, and we are making a difference in downtown Kalamazoo. The vision of the raw Kalamazoo this year was to unlock the God-given potential of every single man and woman to make an impact that would reach our city and expand to the world. And this is the impact that we're beginning to see in the rock Kalamazoo at our downtown location. So can we thank the Lord? Just take a moment and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in all of our campuses to make an impact here in Kalamazoo. Man, I'm so excited that I get to share with you this morning. We've been on this series. Um, oh, actually, I, I didn't ask you to turn your Bibles anywhere, did I? I forgot. So I'm just going to tell you where to go, and you can look up here on the screens. So we're going to read together out of Ephesians chapter 2. So look up. You don't even need to turn your Bibles. Just look up here on the screens. 
because I want us to read this together and read it loudly. Can we do that? Okay, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Ready, set, go. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We've been on this series called Be Sure That You're Saved. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Daniel brought a teaching about the reality of a place called heaven and the reality of a place called hell. They're very much real places, just like Kalamazoo is a real place, Ashtamo is a real place, Grand Rapids, they're real places. Hell and heaven are real places. And one day, we're all going to stand before the throne room of God, and we're either going to be have our names written in the book of life, or we're not going to have our names in the book of life. And I, for one, want to make sure that I'm getting into heaven, and so we've been on the series to make sure that we're saved. And how many would agree that we kind of got a taste of what hell might feel like last, last week in our services because the air conditioning went out, right? And it was 95 degrees. <laughs> Praise the Lord that the air conditioning is working today, or maybe it's not working and it's just a cool day, but praise the Lord anyway. So last week, Pastor Daniel... Uh, brought a message about the difference about how we actually get our names in the book of life. What are the steps that you need to take to get into the book of life? And the message was about Yanni and Laurel, whether it's Yannis or Laurels that are going to get into the kingdom of heaven. And like he said, it was the Laurels that are going to get into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, okay, okay. He talked about faith versus works and how it is by faith that we receive the grace of God for salvation. And then as a result of that step of faith that we've taken, we say, okay, God, Lord Jesus, you are my decision maker, the Lord of my life. I'm going to choose to do the works that you've set out before me. And so I'm going to do those things. Can I make one other quick side note about Yanni versus Laurel? I am a Laurel person, and that's why I'm in agreement with Laurel is the way. And then I started listening to podcasts last week. Take a guess at what I heard. Yanni. I'm like, what is going on here? As I'm listening to this, it's Yanny, 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 Yanny. That's all I could hear. And so it kind of gave me a better perspective on this whole faith versus works thing. It's two, it really is two sides of the same coin. It's faith, and then the works are a result of that step that we've taken. Two sides of the exact same coin. Just like Yanny and Laurel are two sides of the exact same coin. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a dead horse now, right? I'm going to stop beating it. Instead, what I want to do is I want to show you a picture. So in this picture, I'm a very visual person, and this is how I like to picture concepts. And I want to talk a little bit more about this faith versus works. So in this picture, imagine that you're the person on the left side of the screen, and heaven's on the other side across this expanse that looks pretty unjumpable, like there's no way that you're going to do it. So you think to yourself, hey, maybe this is like an RPG, and I can level up my character with jumping ability, and the way to do that is to do more good stuff. So you do all this good stuff. You start uh, helping people. You start feeding the homeless. You start doing all these things, and you've leveled up your jumping ability. You are now at the jumping ability of LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Even if you had that jumping ability, you cannot make that jump. It is impossible because that jump is too far for you to do on your own. And then you think to yourself, this is impossible. There is no way that I'm ever going to be able to make that jump. But then Jesus came, right? He died on the cross. 
And the grace of God made a way for it to become possible for you to make it across. It, it acted as a bridge. And that's why Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, for by grace you have been saved. So the grace exists for you to be able to cross from one side to the other side. But let me ask this question. If you never cross, are you going to get into heaven? If you never cross that side, will you get in? No. There's still another step that needs to be taken. The grace to be saved exists for every single person. But not every person gets into heaven. There's still another step. It's a step of faith. And that's why it says through faith. That's, there's a step of faith that we have to take to make our way across that bridge of grace. And that step of faith is found in Romans 10, verse 9. And it says there that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's not by our works. It's by our step of faith that we said, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I choose to make you decision maker of my life. I believe that God has raised you from the dead. And that caused us to take that step of faith across that bridge of grace that was provided by God. And then in verse, in verse 10 of Ephesians, chapter 2, it says there, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So now you've taken this step and you have decided, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. The next thing that you need to do is uh, walk out the good works that Jesus prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. But notice that word should. Paul, who is the writer of Ephesians, could have used a different word there. He could have used the word would. But there's quite the difference between the word would and the word should. And I want to explain that difference to you today. So the word would would imply that automatically you will start to walk in those good works. The word should implies that it's the right thing to do, but you have a choice whether you want to walk in those good works or not to walk in those good works. And that's why I think the, the Apostle Paul uses the word should there. It's so that we know that the choice is ours to walk in good works or to not walk in the good works that God has called us to walk in. And those good works, they lead to a godly lifestyle. And so what I want to outline in the next several minutes are some of the things that a godly lifestyle looks like. But first I want to talk about the godly lifestyle that we do in church services um, as we worship. And that's raising our hands. And I kind of wanted to show this quick tutorial about how to do that. So let's turn our attention to the screen and let's learn about hand raising in church. I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> some of you are trying, you're like, I can't. I want to, Tim. I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. we got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, 
Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV, carry the TV. That's our first one, very subtle. Go to big screen, big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big, my fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there, that's fine, don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, Grace. Next one's hold my baby, hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs, that's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost, everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn, a lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. You're set. So I totally caught myself in worship this morning doing the heartburn, goalpost, heartburn, goalpost. Now I know what to call it, right? And now you know what to call your expression of lifting your hands in church. And part of lifting our hands in church is because the Bible does say, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And so that is a part of godly living. Amen. Amen. But I want to talk to you about godly living and the good works that God has planned before you. And I'm going to run through a ton of scriptures right now, and you're not going to be able to keep up in your notepad. But here's what I want you to do anyway. You can get this on podcast later, or you can attempt to keep up. But I really want to get you to follow along with me. Just listen and let the Holy Spirit minister this to you, okay? So let's, let's get going. All right, we're going to start out in Acts 26, verse 20. And what I want to do is I like lists because lists help me get things done. And I want to create a what-to-do list and what-not-to-do list that will um, kind of give an idea of what it looks like to walk out good works or what it looks like to walk a godly life. So we're going to start in Acts 26, 20. I, Paul, preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. So the first thing of godly living is we need to do good things. And then 1 John 2, 3 says this, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And so the next thing we need to do for godly living is keep his commandments. Second Peter verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8 says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Summing those all up, it's do be self-controlled, do persevere, do be godly, do be kind, do love. James 1.27 says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So we need to look after orphans and widows. Matthew 25, verses 34 to 36 says this, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, and the king here is Jesus, he'll say, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me in prison. I was in prison. Uh, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then verse 37 to 39 says, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, or in prison, or sick? And Jesus replies, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So the next thing we need to do for godly living is do care for the hungry, thirsty, poor, sick, and imprisoned. So those are all the things that we need to do, a brief sampling of several passages in the New Testament for godly living. This is by no means comprehensive, but this is what the New Testament is telling us about. You should do these things if you want your life to be an example of good works, if you want your life to be a godly life. I also like to look at things that I should not do. So I'm going to build another list of the things that we should not do. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, and it says there, Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Summing that all up, it's don't be immoral, don't have idols, don't steal, don't covet, don't be drunk, don't revile, don't extort. Matthew 7, 21 to 22 says this, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not commit murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So it says there in Matthew 7, don't murder and don't curse. And Jesus even says, hey, don't even call your brother an idiot. Don't even be angry at this person. These are pretty intense things that we need to do, right? Matthew 7, 27 to 30 says, you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so the last thing is, don't lust. And let's look at this all together side by side, and the font gets kind of small, kind of hard to read. And I begin to think to myself, man, am I living a godly life? And then I think about this morning when I got mad at my son and got angry, and I said, and I had to repent and say, Asher, I'm sorry I got mad at you. And I had to say, Lord, I'm sorry I got mad at him because that, that was not a godly lifestyle. And then I begin to wonder to myself, can I even get this done? Like, is it possible to get all these things done to live a godly lifestyle? Now, I want to make sure that this is, this is absolutely clear. Doing these things is not getting in, you into heaven. It's by the grace of God that you are saved. But this is what God calls us to do. This is the good works that Jesus prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But when I look at this list, and I, I just took a small sampling, it's kind of overwhelming. You know what it feels like? It feels like this picture right here. It feels like standing on the left side again, and there's this big gap to the other side of godly living. And it's like, Lord, how do, I, how, do I, how do I get to that other side? I'm here to tell you this morning that in the same way that God provided grace for you to be saved and to reach the other side, He's also giving you grace this morning to become obedient and to walk out the good works that he has planned before you. He has good things that you are going to be able to do, and you don't need to work in your own power to do it. There is grace that is available for you to do every single good work that God has planned for you. And the title of this message this morning is Grace for Salvation and Obedience. 
grace for salvation and obedience. And so I want to talk to you about some of the truths about the grace for obedience. So let's walk through a couple of these truths that we know that God gives us so that we have the grace to obey the things that he tells us to do. Truth number one is this. When believers sin, we don't lose our salvation. Isn't that a good thing? When I make a mistake, man, thank you, Lord, that you're not kicking me out of heaven. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not going to be kicked out. But it's because of this reason, and we find it in 1 John 1, 9, and it's this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So sometimes we get into these situations where we start doing something wrong. What we need to do is right away, so quickly, say, Lord, that was wrong. I, I ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive me. And if we do that, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's how we don't lose our salvation because he is a faithful God. He is a God that will just bring us right back in and say, oh, you're saying sorry? Well, I forgive you. I forgive you. Which brings us to truth number two. And that truth is, after we repent of sin, we should no longer feel condemned. Sometimes we make a mistake and we say, Lord Jesus, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And then we go turn around and say, oh man, I'm a terrible person. I just messed that up. And we keep this feeling of condemnation. We feel like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like I, I'm forgiven. But he, let me tell you something. When Jesus said I, uh, that when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just, not only does he forgive you of your sins, but he also forgets. So why should we hold on to that lie that says you're a bad person? Nope, that is not the case. Jesus forgot as soon as you confess that sin. And now we don't need to be under this feeling of condemnation that we're a bad person any longer because Romans 8 verse 1 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. No condemnation exists. As soon as we turn our hearts to God and say, God, forgive me, I messed up. And sometimes we might even need to do that right in the middle of us sinning when we realize, oh, I'm doing something bad. <laughs> Lord, I turn to you and I say, forgive me of the sin. Forgive me of the sin. And immediately the Father forgets that you are sinning and you no longer need to think about, oh, I'm a terrible person. No, you don't need to think about that at all. You don't need to think about that at all. Truth number three, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in obedience. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in obedience. John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit is the gift of God that he gave us. Not only did he grace us with the ability to be saved, he also graced us with the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our helper. He is the helper that helps us to remember things. He's the helper that teaches us. Earlier I showed you that big long list of the do's and the don'ts. Let me tell you, you don't need to memorize that list. There is a helper that will bring to your remembrance the things that you should be doing and the things that you should not be doing. And there's no need to feel that pressure of, oh man, I need to memorize all those verses. I need to 
write that list down and make sure I'm checking off all those things. Nope, that's not the case. There is a helper that God has sent to us, and it's the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that he said to do. And so isn't it a good thing that we have the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5.16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we're walking in the Spirit, and for doing the things that he tells us to do, if he's bringing to these, these things to our remembrance and he's teaching us, and we begin to walk out the things that he tells us to do, we're not going to do those things that are contrary to a godly lifestyle. We will walk out all the good works that God has planned beforehand that we should walk in them as long as we're walking uh, with the Holy Spirit and listening to what he tells us to do. Romans 8, verse 5 and 26 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, when you're living in the Spirit, you start to think about how uh, you should act. And then verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. Amen. Isn't that a good thing? Yes. Sometimes things are hard. But there is a helper that can help us even when we're weak, yeah. even when we think that we cannot do it. The helper is there to help us even in our weakness. Man, that is such a good thing. Thank you, Lord, that we have the Holy Spirit, yes. that even when we're weak, he can be strong inside of us to be able to walk out all the good things that God has planned for us. Truth number four of the grace to obey. Salvation gives us a new identity. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me tell you this, as soon as you stepped out in faith and received the grace of God to be saved, you were transformed from the old you into the new you. And Jesus said, I have come to heal, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captive, to open the eyes of the blind, and to set the captive free. Whether you lived in a life of bondage before, or you lived in a life of feeling like you had no confidence, or lived in a life where your relationships were going poorly, Jesus said, I have made all those old things new, and I am transforming you into a person that will be full of confidence, that will be able to walk out the things that God has called you to do, that will be able to live victoriously in this life that we lead here on earth. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You will be able to do everything that I have called you to do. He has given you a new identity, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we need to understand that in our lives. We need to know that I am no longer this person that I once was. I am a new creation in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I wanted, I wanted to share this story with you about these four points. And it happened last night. My daughter Brielle and I were playing hide-and-seek. And she decided to hide uh, right beside this, this chair that we have. And this chair sits right beside these double doors. And these double doors we keep closed because we don't, want, we don't want her to go into that area. And she started kicking at these double doors. And I thought to myself, and I said to her, Brielle, stop kicking those doors. And she kept kicking it. And I told her, Brielle, stop kicking those doors. But she kept kicking it. And I said even more sternly, Brielle, stop kicking those doors. 
And then a few seconds later, I heard her crying. And she ran out from her hiding spot. And she started saying, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. I'm so dumb. And I thought to myself, what just happened there? Like, we were having fun. And then, yeah, I gave you some correction. Why did you get into your head that you were dumb? What, what just happened? So I, I went over to her, and I started talking to her. And I said, Brielle, what's, what's going on? And I said, I just feel so bad that I wasn't listening to you. And I said, Brielle, let me tell you something. And she's really like emotional, you know, those <gasps> that feeling that you get. That's how she was feeling. And I told her, Brielle, do you know that I love you? I love you so much. And just because you messed up doesn't mean you're kicked out of this family. By no means are you like not my child anymore. I love you so much. And I want you to know that even though you messed up, you're still a part of this family. You're a part of the Sanchez family. And then I began to ask her, hey, are you sorry for what you did? And she said, yeah, Dad, I'm sorry. And so I told her, Brielle, I forgive you. But I feel so bad, Dad. I feel so bad. Brielle, I don't, I'm, I forgive you. You don't need to think about that anymore. And, but, but she just felt like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to feel right now because I just feel bad. And then I told her, Brielle, you need to know that when you said you're sorry, I'm not holding it against you anymore. I'm not thinking about what you were just doing. You said sorry, and I forgave you. And so I'm, I'm forgetting about what you did. And she started to feel a little bit better. She could start to talk a little bit more. And she started to calm down a little bit. And I said, hey, why were you uh, kicking that door? What, what, what were you trying to do there? And she said, well, I was trying to hide. And because of where the chair was, I, I just couldn't figure out how to hide there and not kick the door. And I said, but I told you to stop. And she said, I didn't know how to stop, Dad. And I said, well, next time, can you ask me for some help? I can help you figure out how to stop kicking the door. And so I helped her process through what it meant to kick the door and how to not, not to hide in the spot and not be kicking that door. And then she said, and then I asked her, Brielle, when you walked out, why did you keep saying that you were bad? Why did you get that into your head? And she said, Dad, it's because I didn't do what you told me to do. I didn't feel like I could do it. And so I thought I was a dumb person. She had this reality in her head that she was now a dumb person. And so I told her, Brielle, you are not dumb. You are a smart little girl. You are my daughter. You are so loved by me. And you need to know that you are not dumb. You're not dumb at all. And she starts crying a little bit. And so I said, Brielle, are you smart or are you dumb? And she said, I'm dumb. <laughs> and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> Apparently, my ministry was not working there. And so I said, I said, Brielle, you need to know. You are not a dumb girl. You are a smart girl. You are the daughter that I love. And I want you to know that you are not dumb at all. And then I asked her again, Brielle, are you smart or are you dumb? And she said, I'm smart. I'm smart. She understood that her identity was not that she was dumb. She understood that she was loved and that she was smart. And this is the same grace that our Father affords us today uh, to walk out this 
to walk out this life of godly living and to walk out the things that he's called us to do. When we sin, he opens up his arms and says, hey, you're not kicked out of this family. And then when we repent, he says, you don't even need to think about that anymore. Don't feel condemned by that mistake that you made. And then he sends us this Holy Spirit, this helper, to show us how to live this godly life. And then he wants us to remind ourselves of this identity, of who we are in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we see that in the word of God over and over, that you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so if you've ever felt like you're under condemnation, no, that is not the case at all. We have a God that wants to take us from the place where we are right now to doing all the good works that he has planned for us. Just like he gave us the grace to be saved, he now gives us the grace to be obedient to everything that he's called us to do. And so, Pastor Julie, I want to invite you up right now. How many of you, when he is telling that story, boy, that, that hit your heart? Anybody? That, there's something in that that I wanted to expand on a little bit because mm -hmm. sometimes, and it's just like what... You said with your little girl, sometimes when we've done something, we can't shake that feeling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that feeling of condemnation and that sense of, man, I don't know, God, because we never experienced that in our home life. Sometimes our home life dictates more so than what God dictates to us. You know, we, we go back to those places. And I think today the Lord would want to minister something to you. Because if you have ever come into a place where you feel like, man, I blew it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I can come back from that. I feel like the Father would say the same thing to us. You're not dumb. Right? That he would meet you at that place where you have stopped even growing sometimes because you you just think, man, I, I'm... I, I don't know, God. And you don't receive even what he's saying sometimes because you've put a limit on your own self. Like Brielle did, you yeah. know. I'm dumb. Well, are you smart? No, I'm dumb. What I just told you you're smart, <laughs> right? Sometimes we limit the revelation from God the Father because the enemy likes to write in on our disobedience. Do you know that? Yeah. He likes to write in on our mistakes. He likes to write in on our pain. And sometimes he keeps us trapped in a situation where we're saying we're dumb and God is trying to convince us, no, you're yeah. my girl. Mm -hmm. You're smart. I've given you gifts and graces and things to minister to the body. Yeah. And yet you have to make a decision who you're going to believe. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. You have to make a decision whether you're going to believe your father or the enemy that comes in to lie to you. Brielle had to make a decision. She had to look in her father's eyes and say, I'm smart. Because you established that I'm smart. Mm -hmm. So when we look into the word of God, what is it? We're looking into the word of God and we're saying, I'm righteous. Yeah. Because you said, I'm righteous. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm free. Because yeah. you said, I'm free. That's right. right? I'm whole. Because you said, I'm whole. And this isn't for just the new believer. Sometimes I believe that this is for those who've worked hard in the ministry alongside, mm -hmm. who, who've been here for a while. Because the enemy still likes to take advantage, right? Yeah. And sometimes we get stuck as believers. And we get stuck in condemnation. We get stuck in shame. 
and we get stuck in a place where we try, like we put our foot out there to step forward, and then we just pull it right back because we have yet to agree with our Father. Mm -hmm. That's what she had to do. She had to to agree with you, Mm -hmm. not how she was feeling about herself. Sometimes we can sit in these chairs, and sometimes we can come to church and feel something about ourselves. And until we agree with God, we'll just come to church in the same condition every week and leave with the same thoughts. And today, I don't believe that's what God is asking. He's wanting to say, hey, you're righteous because I said you're righteous. And he's asking for you to agree with him and to look into his eyes and say, you're my father. Mm -hmm. And I believe my father. So I, I feel like the the Lord wants to roll back some of those things. So would you just take a moment before the Lord? Whatever you need to do, if you need to close your eyes, you can put your hands over your face if you want. Sometimes that helps me to focus. Whatever you need to do to be alone with the Lord just for a minute. So, Father, I thank you for each person sitting here. And in the areas where they have, and as that place comes up to you and those words, maybe it's, Man, you're a failure. I want you to hear your father say, no, I made you a success because of my son. Maybe there's words that have been spoken over your life that you need to address. And you say, no, I'm not going to agree with God on this one. This is the one I'm going to agree with God on. Or you're disqualified. Somebody here has been told by the enemy you're disqualified. And I, I want to just, the Lord is saying, would you agree with me that you are qualified for the ministry I called you to? Would you quit saying to yourself that you're disqualified? Because I didn't call you disqualified. I call you qualified. Mm-hmm. Some of you have things in your heart that you have yet to see. So, Lord, I... I pray over each person that their that spirit of condemnation would be rolled back right. in the name of Jesus. And you're with your own mouth. Would you just say that? I just say I break my agreement with condemnation. I break my agreement with it. I agree with my Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your ministry today. That we would walk out of service today looking in your eyes and saying, no, I'm smart. You've got good things for me today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.